All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Founders Forward fundraising series. It's November 19th. We're starting to wrap this thing up. Jonathan, tell us some good news. Yes, uh, we have a term sheet right now. Uh, we might have two term sheets uh, later this morning. So uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We've got a roster of co-investors that I think are ready to participate, just waiting on uh, final terms. And I think that'll move pretty quickly. So hoping to wrap. I've been telling everyone I want to wrap things up before the holidays. Which holiday exactly is to be determined <laughs> but before a holiday, uh, we'll wrap this up. Yes. Either way, that'll be a relief, whatever exactly. holiday it is. So is it looking like you'll get to that 3 million number that you initially set out for? Yeah, um, we'll end up between, well, um, we're right now we're going to be somewhere between two and three, likely, likely okay. closer to three and three is still on the table. Um, the, there will probably be a small, we think based off some of the forecasting, we're doing a small Delta, um, between, where we end up with institutional investors in three. And then we might have a few quick conversations with some angel investors to see if they want to help us uh, close that gap and top off the round, uh, which would get us to that three number. Nice. And are you guys modeling anything for, say, you raise two and a half instead of three? Do you have a bunch of different financial models for forecasting 2022? Or are you going to wait to see how that shakes out first? Yeah, we're going to wait to see how it shakes out first. It's something we've talked about and we know we can dial that model up or down um, with some very specific tactics in the business. Um, so we have a model for three. Um, you know, I actually was talking to our finance partner yesterday. The Obviously, the options are if we come in at less than three, we can shorten the runway or uh, do some things to keep that runway about the same. Um, and so we, we would look at both options, but uh, there is no fear of coming in like being under three would not cripple the business obviously yeah and i think you see like a lot of people are constraints actually can help fuel growth too or yeah. maybe you don't hit that number and you're you got to be a little bit more dialed with your spend and your burn and everything like that too exactly uh, yeah it's great great perspective so as term sheets are flying in you've probably been going through due diligence the last couple of weeks how has that been going any surprises there or anything maybe you would have like prepared earlier or had done earlier? What's that process? I had to update like? my resume. There is an investor who, uh, one of the follow-on investors, they've got a, the most robust due diligence uh, to this point. And they asked for resumes of uh, key leaders, which I haven't touched my resume, uh, fortunately, in several years. Uh, so that was <laughs> That's just- pretty funny. Yeah. We were actually exercise. talking yesterday and Mike, our CEO was like, I don't even know. He's like, I haven't touched my resume in years. Hopefully I'd never have to use a resume for like anything in the future, but I guess maybe that's, maybe resumes are back in. I had to figure out where to even like go to find my most recent <laughs> resume. Um, it was, it was bad, but that was the most extensive. And that was, we're fortunate kind of the season of the business we're in. Uh, we just had board meeting, you know, we've been doing pitch deck. So we have a lot of just like assets right now. If somebody asks for current pipeline, you know, next year's forecast, like we kind of have everything. It's just each investor wants it organized slightly differently. So um, we have a data room that we've been giving access to. And then if they want other things, there's been no major curveballs. I would say, you know, just some additional like paperwork or kind of reconstructing what we already have. Nice. And did they do any like due diligence or interviews with customers or did they want to talk to anyone 
using the consumer side of the product or any conversations there? There have been a few customer conversations, which uh, we're always eager to share. Uh, we have some awesome customers at this stage that are very happy with the product. So uh, we kind of use that as a feather in our cap and eagerly make those introductions. No one's actually asked for the uh, member side, uh, which is interesting, or the consumer side of the product. But um, we, we would do that as well. Uh, and what's interesting is a lot of our, I mean, all of our customers are also on signed up as consumers for the platform. And we've gotten some really good consumer feedback from our customers on the brand side. I've probably just spun all of our listeners into a circle with all of that. But uh, it's, uh, we, we are, we've got happy, we always say we've got happy customers and happy members. Um, you know, it might take some time to connect the dots or make the introductions, but those are things we're always excited to do. Yeah, I love that. Let's say you end between two or three million hit the ground running with hiring or what's kind of the game plan? So we are uh, a little bit unique. Um, I think, you know, the traditional answer maybe with a traditional B2B SaaS company would be hiring sales and engineering. We, we do have some of that in our model, but we actually don't have, we're on the February fiscal year. We don't have any hires for the remainder of this fiscal year and only three positions we would add in Q1 of next year. The whole theme of this round of fundraising, all of the pitching we've been doing is that we want to grow the consumer side, or we call it the member side of the business. So the individual signing up to use the platform, we want them, we want to prioritize spending against that. Our cost per acquisition of a member of our platform started at $24. It's trended down to, we ended just below $14 last quarter. With this round of fundraising, we want to continue to drive that down to about $6 grow our member base from we're at about 2,500 right now. Uh, we want to grow that to 50,000. Um, okay. it, it's actually like, that sounds crazy, but it's actually because we have that CPA, it's, it's pretty formulaic. Um, we know kind of what our baseline growth model looks like. And then if we can add some spikes into that with some of our own campaigns, announcements, releases, et cetera, um, that is a very realistic target for us. So we'll continue to drive ARR as well, but really the uh, focus for the business is going to be on member growth. Cool. What's the main channel for that? Is it paid where you're on social or like AdWords? Or yeah, a little bit of each of those. Um, it is a combination of paid and organic marketing efforts. We have our own pretty robust content program for a company of our size. We collaborate with a lot of brands that are uh, we punch up a weight class when we get to collaborate with brands like Drift, Gong, Salesforce, HubSpot, you know, um, so that's been good for us. But on the paid side, what's actually happened, um, we have found email sponsorships to be a really efficient channel for us or partnering with like B2B influencers who have newsletters um, oh, that can be sponsored. It, 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 we kind of, admittedly, we kind of backed into it as we were just trying to experiment in other channels. But when you think about it, it does make sense. Our, our target is high volume content consumers or like intellectually curious professionals. Those individuals all subscribe to a lot of newsletters, subscribe, follow a lot of influencers, a lot of thought leaders. And um, we found a, a niche there that's been really good for our business. Cool. Yeah, we'll make sure to throw some plugs for the juice into our, our weekly newsletter. Uh, Appreciate that. Yeah. And I like what you're saying about punching above your weight class. I think that's straight out of like Scott Dorsey's playbook. If I remember to some of the high alpha events. Um, one of the, uh, I, you know, during onboarding, one of the like, uh, there's, they call them the magnificent seven at high alpha. One of those seven 
um, kind of things that you should think about focusing on is partnerships. And I think that the wording there is like stand on the shoulders of giants. Uh, and yes, we're that, very, that's what I've heard from them before. Yeah. Yeah. And we're very fortunate. I mean, the high alpha network makes that more possible, but Brett who leads our content efforts has just done a tremendous job. Like podcasting is such a, uh, kind of a cheat code to do some of that. Um, you're just asking for a 30 minute meeting that turns into content for you and the person you're hosting. Um, yep. so, so it's been a combination of, uh, I'd say high alphas network, our own networks, and then also just some shooting our shot and, uh, it's been working. Yeah. Some of our best like partnerships have come from cold outreach too. Assuming everything goes as planned. Hopefully I'm not getting out ahead here, but what would you change? Say if, for when you do another fundraising round, what would you do different? What would you do the same? Ooh, man, how much time do we have? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say in uh, maybe the, the feedback here is I'd do a better job of listening to you and others. But I, I think I did struggle with a little bit um, maintaining the pacing of the round. You know, you have you, we start the round, you have some really good conversations, uh, but then you almost have to like nurture those conversations until you find that lead. Like I think you talked about visible talks about some other people I talked to talk about like waving uh, or different, yep. like seg, like kind of waving your schedule. And um, I, I should have been probably more specific with those efforts. Um, the other thing is I, I would be, and we could have done this and now we're doing it, but anything you can do to drive urgency, I think is really important. So starting with a date, you know, we had plenty of runway, so it felt kind of crazy to say like, we're locked into a date when all of this needs to be wrapped up, but I, I wish we would have done that and we're doing it now. Yep. Um, because that one's now we, we have less runway, but, uh, I, I think I would have done that differently as well. Um, I think that one's incredibly tough too, especially at the pre-seed seed. Investors are incentivized to just wait and collect data um, for as long as possible. And that one seems tricky. I mean, all the conversations we've had with investors and founders, there's different ways to go about it. But at, like, at the end of the day, it just seems like a tough one. And then you're you, trying to create urgency there. You talk to some investors that, you know, the conversation goes great and you do want to nurture them. And then there's other investors who are like, keep us in the loop. Like, please stay in touch. And you're, you're almost like, I don't like, are they worth nurturing? Like, I'm not sure like it's even worth the like energy and effort to keep them warm. Um, I will say, and I, I know this is not the intent of this podcast, but the visible pipeline made that easy to set up different stages of like, all right, keep in touch with them, keep them warm or interested, but um, that, you know, poor timing or whatever that may be, it was easy to organize that. So, so it was as efficient as could be, but th those would be my two big things I would do differently is um, have some urgency at the start of the process or create some urgency at the start of the process and then wave those introductions and the conversations to be a little bit more organized. Cool. Going off of that nurturing point. So now round's going to wrap up. Are you still, do you have a game plan to nurture any of those investors still? I know it's pretty early, but. Trying to close the round here. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it's a good question. And we have given it some thought. There have been some investors uh, that were more series A, maybe occasionally seed, seed round investors that we talked to that were interested. Um, and we've, I actually have set up a few meetings for like the spring next year, just to check in, you know, 
I feel like you never know with meetings you set up for four months in advance or whatever, yeah. if they'll actually happen or not, but it's at least a good reminder to check in with them um, and just keep the conversation going, whether that's a meeting or just an email exchange. Uh, but there were a few, like, I would say high quality kind of t- tier one, tier two, like series A investors that we'll, we'll look to nurture um, post seed round. Cool. Love that. Well, congratulations again on the first term sheet. We'll keep an eye out for hopefully the next couple to come through so you can enjoy the, the holidays, really relax. But we'll see if we catch up once more or if this is the wrap-up episode. But can't thank you enough, Jonathan, for the time. This has been personally awesome to just sit in the seat with you and learn as you're going. And then I'm sure our audience will love this as well. So thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Matt. This has been uh, awesome as well. You know, partially therapeutic, partially <laughs> partially a learning experience. The, the last thing I say, I, I don't know if this will be our last episode or not, but if it is, um, if there are any, especially first-time founders or first-time fundraisers or CEOs uh, that do want advice and want to learn how we set up our pipeline or made, you know, templates for introductions or those sorts of things, please reach out to me. Um, I was fortunate to have some CEOs in my life that did that for me. Um, And I, I would love to pay that forward. Awesome. Love to hear it. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks, Matt.